We are going today to finish verse 9 of chapter 6 of Matthew. Finally, we're going to finish verse 9 today as we're looking at the model prayer of Jesus that is found within the best sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount. So you'll want to turn there. Um, you probably uh, know by heart what we are looking at today, but uh, I've entitled the sermon, Pray Like This, Hallowed Be Your Name. Now you think about that phrase for a minute, Hallowed Be Your Name. Hallowed, you could say it that way, but I prefer the old archaic English. Hallowed is an interesting word, is it not? How many times have you spoken that word this year separate from the model prayer of Jesus? Come on, right? Hallowed. A Sunday school class of youngsters had some problems repeating the Lord's Prayer. One child prayed, Our Father who art in heaven, how'd you know my name? <laughs> Hallowed. Little boy asked his father, Daddy, does Harold really listen to me when I pray? And his father was confused and said, I have no idea, son. Who is Harold? And his son replied, you know, he's our heavenly father. You taught us to pray. Our father in heaven, Harold be your name. <laughs> What's in a name? We're going to look at that today. And what does it mean to be hallowed? We're going to look at that as well when we finish verse nine today as we look at this model prayer of Jesus. Remember in the preceding verses leading up to the Lord's Prayer, Jesus reminded us how not to pray and how to pray. And I just want to keep reminding you of this. I see it confirmed in my life and in our church's life over and over and over again that God, our Father, knows what we need before we even ask him. Isn't that comforting to you? That com now, I said need. The scripture says need. It doesn't say want, but it says need. So it's so comforting as we think about it. So let's look at this section of the Lord's Prayer today. I'm going to read the whole thing starting in verse 9. In this manner, therefore pray, or pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. And God, we do come to you this morning acknowledging that you are our Father in heaven. And that even your name is holy. And we're grateful that as we pray, you know what we need. You know everything about us. And you desire to spend time with us and have relationship with us. So we thank you for that. And I pray this morning that we would be impacted by one simple phrase in this prayer, in this Sermon on the Mount, and that it would cause us to step back and to consider how we live and what we say. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So the very holy name of God shines bright on the believer. We see quickly that we must bow to holy God in surrender 
and abject spiritual poverty. Let me go all the way back to the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember the Beatitudes? In chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's 5, verse 3. And then in 5, verse 4, we see, And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. You see, we must, we must come to God and surrender, acknowledging that he is holy God. We must be totally dependent because we are poor in spirit and we do mourn for spiritual condition of ours and others around about us. So we've got three points today. Number one is simply a question. What's in a name? What's in a name? It is important to notice that the essence of God's being and his character is contained in the word name right here. We are to hallow his name. That's what we're told to do. Now, in Hebrew, one's name does not, does, uh, not simply mean the name by which a person is called, such as Lamar or Dane. That's just a name we're called, right? In Hebrew, the name means the nature, the character, the personality of the person, insofar as it is known and revealed. And what I would say about God's name is God's names reveal characteristics of his being. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever looked at that? Today we have time. I'm just going to give you three quick examples of God's names. The first one is Jehovah Shalom. Have you heard that one before? You probably figured it out. The Lord our peace. See, you guys are Hebrew experts. That's great to know. All right. Well, this was the name that Gideon hallowed, made holy, by raising an altar to God by that name, Jehovah Shalom. Here's another one, Jehovah Jireh. We know a little song. That's how we learn that it is the Lord or my God will provide. Now you think about that for a minute. Jehovah Jireh. That's the name of God by which Abraham came to know God. Do you remember? On Mount Moriah, as God provided a ram, a sacrifice in place of his son Isaac. Do you see how that comes to light? Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides, and look how he provided in Abraham's life. The third one I list today is Jehovah Sidkenu. It means the Lord our righteousness. It's the name that God used to reveal himself to the prophet Jeremiah during the captivity. And there are many other names, even more Jehovah names, uh, other names such as El Shaddai you may have heard of, or Adonai, other names that reveal God's character and relationship to us. So when we ask the question, what's in a name, we must move beyond our, are we in the 21st century? We are, aren't we? Almost said 20th century. We must move beyond our 21st century Americanized thinking and realize how significant a name is. God's names reveal characteristics of his being, his essence, his personality, his nature. But let's continue. Psalm 9 verse 10 says this. I find this profound. And those who know your name, look what I just did. Wow. All right. I am fired up today. I'm going to have to go get a music stand or whatever. I've been kind of wanting to replace this thing, so, all right. 
Matthew's going to run up there. I don't know if you've noticed, but the guy who runs more in our services is Matthew. So if something goes wrong, you see him running around. So we'll get to that in a minute. Look at that. Just like that. The magic of television. It's great. Thank you, Matthew. I'm sure I'm going to move that down a little. I'm sure I'm going to get billed for that. <laughs> I know I am. Sam, Malk, wherever you are, he's going to. Erica, they're going to build me. No, it's a, wow, it's just gone. Okay. <laughs> feel like Gregory now. Didn't he preach from this? Okay. Should I put the whole thing up? No, I won't do that. I just want you to notice my coordination. I caught that thing before it fell. Did anyone pick that up? Wow. All right. Hopefully something about my character has not been revealed right now. I didn't say any bad words or anything. Just caught it. So back to God. God's name. Uh, his names reveal his characteristics, his nature, his essence. And then we were looking at Psalm 910, and it's a profound, hopefully we'll be okay this time. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. Do you see the significance of that? We have the word trust, but it's not. And those who know your miracles and those who know your creation, we could have all kinds of things the psalmist could have said, but he says, then those who know your name, hallowed be thy name, will put their trust in you. This does not mean that those who know that God is called Jehovah will trust in him. I run into people all the time, maybe you do, if you start up conversations with people, they know about God. You ever run into someone like that? They know about God. They might know he's called God or Jesus, Jehovah, Yahweh. They know about God, but that is not what this verse is talking about. This verse means that those who know what God is like, those who know the nature, the, the character of our Lord, will put their trust in him. You see, his strength, his power, and his dependability create trust for us. And let me ask you today, do you know his name? Not head knowledge, but heart knowledge. Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Is he the one leading and guiding you? Those who know your name will put their trust in you. Let's go on. Psalm 20, verse 7 says this. It's a famous verse. There's, I think, an old song about this one, too. It says this, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Do you see that significance? It's so easy, and we are reminded by this verse, that people will put their trust in all kinds of stuff. Amen? Right? And some of it's not so good, and some of it's okay. I don't know about you. Did any of you think this morning when you jumped into your vehicle and you got ready to start it, whether it's a key or a button or whatever else they've invented, did you go, oh, I don't know if this is going to start? Now, some of you may have, okay? And we, we can send you to Jim Deerholt. He can help you with getting that thing fixed up. But most of the time, we trust in stuff, don't we? I pushed the button this morning. It started. I turned on the shower, and guess what came out? Water, even hot water. 
Did I wonder? I wonder if the water's going to come on. No. Maybe some of you wonder about that. We trust in stuff all the time. You came in and plopped your little self right into those chairs. And I bet most of you didn't say, I wonder if this is going to hold me up. No. So we're reminded here that people will put their trust in all kinds of stuff. And even more so, guess what humans like to put their trust in? Humans like to put their trust in humans. Have you noticed that? Have you ever caught yourself doing that? I have. Man, we'll, we'll, we'll place all of our trust in some law or some edict or some way of this or that or this person or that person. I like this. This person makes me feel good. This one doesn't. Listen, some trust in chariots, some in horses, in other words, in stuff. But we, the psalmist says, we trust in the name of the Lord our God. You see, the psalmist will remember the nature and character of God. He will remember what God is like. And when he remembers that mem memory, gives him confidence, courage, and peace. And so we must see that. So what's in a name? It's a big deal. How will be your name? Let me go further. Jesus himself gives the clearest teaching about what God's name means. If you want clear teaching, you can look at what Jesus is teaching. Well, how can that be that he gave the clearest teaching? He did it with his life. Think about it for a minute. Jesus Christ, say that with me. Jesus Christ, let me wake you up. Say it one more time. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God's greatest name. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus Christ is God's greatest name. Everything Jesus did on earth manifested God's name. Everything he did on earth revealed God's nature and character. You see, Jesus was the God-man and the perfect manifestation of God's nature and glory. Jesus was the perfect expression of God's name. Listen, there's a lot of religions out there, but you can't leave Jesus out. And you can't do a different definition for Jesus that's different than the revealed word of God. Jesus Christ, the perfect expression of God's name, God's greatest name, in fact. And unfortunately, when I hear Jesus Christ, it's usually not from Christians. It's usually from people that don't go, gee, golly whiz. They use it as a term of frustration or even contempt. Listen to Jesus speaking in John 17, 9. Here's what Jesus said. I have revealed, okay, you remember John 17. I'm sorry, I should have said that. Jesus is praying to the Father, okay? We're getting down to the wire here, coming up to the garden, the, uh, the crucifixion, the resurrection. In John 17, 6, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, I have revealed your name to the men you gave me from the world. Jesus is praying this to the Father. He says, I have revealed your name. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Isn't it interesting that he says, I've revealed your name? And, of course, we go back to the prologue, the beginning of the Gospel of John, John 1, and we get all the way to verse 14, and we see, and the word, that's talking about Jesus Christ, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen what? His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the 
Father, full of grace and truth. What's in a name? A lot. It's a big deal as we think about the holy name of our God. Well, let's move on. Number two, I've got another question. What does hallowed or hallowed mean? The word hallowed is simply this. It's an archaic English word. It's used by translators to translate a form of the Greek word which means this, to make holy, to make holy. Now words from this same Greek root are translated in a variety of ways, but you'll see the pattern here as it moves along. One is holy, another is saint, another is sanctify, another is sanctification. This word is associated with the adjective hagios. Now, hagias is usually translated holy, and here's what it means. I think this is a good definition for us to think about today. To be different or separate. You hear that? To be different or separate. To give a unique and special place to something or someone. Now, you can think of some things in your life that perhaps are unique and special or set apart or separate. And here, this word is used talking about God, his name. Hallowed be thy name. Thy name is unique and special, unlike anything else. So then, hallowed be your name means this. We could perhaps say it in this way. Let God's name be treated differently than all other names. Do you do that? Do you treat God's name differently than all other names? Most people don't. Or maybe this, let God's name be given a special position which is absolutely unique. Listen, I want to start a new revolution in when we say God, it is profound and it is separating God from anything else. His uniqueness, his character, his nature, who he is when we say God, that it would be so amazing to us that we, when we say it, people would know he is absolutely unique, even his name. It means God empower us to give you the unique place which your nature and character deserve and demand. Do you realize that? Holy God, his nature and his character is such that it demands, it requires, it is deserving of a special and unique place separate from anything else. Now, I want to know what your middle name is. You ready? On the count of three, shout it out. One, two, three. Okay. I wish Lamar was my middle name, but it's not. It's a family name, but I was the only one who got stuck with it as a first name. But my middle name is Howard. That's kind of an old name, isn't it? My grandpa's name. Okay, but as you think about your name, or, or how about your best friend growing up? Do you remember their name? Say it. One, two, three. How about your, if, if you're married, your spouse's name? Say it. Oh, wait, did someone say what's her name? Who said that over here? Was that you? No. Okay. Names. Names. 
No matter how special that name might be to you, like my name, a family name, generation after generation after generation after generation, or someone that you love and respect and hold so dear, such as your spouse or maybe your children. Listen, it is God's name that is absolutely unique. And when we say God or Yahweh or El Shaddai or Adonai, or Lord, or Savior. We could go on and on and on. It must put us in a position to realize how set apart He is based on His character and His nature. Let's start a revolution. That when we say that, and that we would say it often, that people would hear it and know who we are, and that we would enter into conversations about what this means when I say it, when I say God the Father or Jesus. Let's also remember this as we think about being holy or hallowed is your name. Uh, we are commanded as believers to be holy, correct? I think Gregory mentioned that when he preached a while back. Scripture commands believers to be holy. I want you to hear this. Our Lord is acknowledged, our God is acknowledged as being holy. Do you see the difference? We're commanded to be holy. God, hallowed be your name, he is acknowledged as being holy. That is a big difference. I think that is where some of us stumble and fall is not realizing the fact we're trying to be holy. We're doing it on our own. Instead of taking the resources, the power that God has, who is not trying to be holy, he is holy, using that in our lives. So when we pray, hallowed be your name, we attribute to God the holiness that already is. Now, you say, Lamar, that is simple. Is it really? How many times this year have you really thought that? That when we say the name God, we are attributing to God his very name that he's holy. It's the holiness that already is. It doesn't have to be conjured up. It doesn't have to be woken up with an alarm clock. It doesn't have to be in a certain location or place. Holiness that already is and always has been his. Listen, from before Genesis 1-1, from before creation, do you remember the picture? When there was nothing, God was, and God was holy. So, to hallow God's name is to revere Him, to honor Him, to glorify Him, to obey Him as perfect God. We do not need to pray that the Lord will become more holy. We might pray for someone else or ourselves that we would become more holy, but we don't need to pray that with God. We don't say, and make your name more holy. No, hallowed be your name. He, for, for he is already holy. It is the fundamental nature of his being. Okay, Lamar, I get it. Do we? I'm harping on it because I don't think practically each day in our lives we always 
have this realization. And we are to honor his name as holy. How do we do that? We do that with our lives and with our words. So let's evaluate ourselves. How did we do this week? Did our lives honor, revere God as holy? How about this one? Did our words? Hmm. We should take up an offering right now, I tell you. Yeah, think about it. Now, why am I harping on this? Because I think there's a key here that can help us as we try to reach our lost city. And it's this. I believe this aspect of honoring God's name as holy, I think this should be very appealing to the lost, to seekers. Why would I say that? Because if we actually do that on a consistent, regular basis, they will see this in our lives and in our words, our gospel witnesses. I want you to think about that for a minute. If we really take that in heart and really set it apart and really live that way and speak that way, I think that will be winsome appealing to folks who are out there seeking. Because let me tell you something. Some of us has tried a lot of things in our life, right? Especially before being a Christian. There wasn't a, not a, a lot of good character and good nature there, was it? And outside these walls, in these neighborhoods, in our city, people are trying all kinds of things. And you know what? They're smart. Us Christians mess up sometimes when we think those folks are dumb because they're not Christians. They're not dumb. They're smart. And they realize, I'm trying this. It ain't working. I'm trying this. It ain't working. I'm trying this. It ain't working. How about holy God? Amen? Holy God. So we got to live that way. we got to speak that way. And it has to be evident to them. And I think it will be very appealing. So I want you to really pray about that this week and, and consider that. How, how can I do that in such a way to let my neighbors, my coworkers know about that? Okay, so we have looked at concepts that really are not that difficult to understand. What I think we need to do is actively follow them. So we're going to have some application. Point number three, how we can hallow God's name. Now I confess, before I went on my trip, I did the sermon notes. And I don't, know how, I don't remember how many things are listed on your sermon notes. But I'm going to give you seven. Someone count real quick. Are there more than seven there? Are there eight? Okay. I narrowed it down. I apologize. So you get a free one in there that you're going to figure out on your own, all right? I'll give you the other ones. But here's a little progression for how we can hallow God's name. Okay, Lamar, this could be something significant for people uh, that I run into, and so how can I do it? Well, number one, it has to begin, if you're going to hallow God's name, it has to begin in your heart. It has to begin in your heart. Hallowing God's name begins in the heart. We hallow his name by trusting in him and then entrusting him with the most valuable thing we have, our heart, our soul. Psalm 33, 21. For our hearts rejoice in him because we trust in his holy name. Don't you love the psalm sometimes, how succinct and direct that they can be? How about Acts 4, 12, as we think about the holy name of God. There is salvation in no one else, for there is, do you remember, no 
other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. So it begins in your heart. Number two, you hallow God's name by your understanding of our Lord. You see, when we sanctify or set apart the Lord in our hearts, we also sanctify him in our lives. We hallow his name when we acknowledge that he exists, step one. We must be sure of God's existence if we are to revere and honor him. Apologetics help us so much in this area as we look at it. And we realize and we acknowledge that he is the master designer of creation. But more than that, he is the master designer of you and me. The evidence is plentiful. I have time just to share one verse today. It's a powerful verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Now without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who seek him. So how can we hallow God's name? It begins in our heart. It moves to understanding, a biblical understanding of our Lord. And then we do it by our awareness of his character and presence. We've talked about character some this morning. But let's think about that. To hallow God's name, we must understand that he is holy, that he is just, and that he loves us. You see, understanding the nature and character of God enables us to understand him and revere him for who he is. Got three scriptures for you here. Philippians 3.10. Paul writes this. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Good news, we don't do this on our own. Aren't you glad? The Holy Spirit indwells the Christian. Is that right? You believe that? Do you? The Holy Spirit indwells the Christian, making us aware of the Lord's presence. He helps us. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself, by the way, do you see that, himself? That's what it is. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So let us be aware daily, intentionally drawing God into our everyday lives. Well, Lamar, God is everywhere, and I understand that. But we need to intentionally invite him into our lives, right? What does that mean? It, that means that we want to spend time with him. Yes, he's there. But you know good and well, like I know, right? We, we can kind of X God out of our lives certain days, can we not? Has that ever happened to you? You get busy, something's going on, crisis, all kinds of things, okay? So let us be intentional. David had this awareness. Here's another verse, Psalm 16, 8. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. How can we hallow God's name? Here's another one. By cherishing his name joyfully. We did that this morning. At least I hope you did. We give him holy God. Even his name is holy. We give him what? Our worship. And we did that today. Listen, I don't know what style of worship you have. You thought I'm talking about country or jazz or pop, didn't you? No, no, no. Here's what I mean. 
When you worship him, do you give him that which you give to no other? Now, coming from a Denver Bronco fanatic, that is a hard question to ask, right? I, I, I better worship God different than I do a certain team, or for some of us, a certain kid, or a spouse, or whatever it might be, a bank account, a savings account, a stock report. You see, when we, we must cherish his name joyfully. We give him our worship. It's a type of worship that we give to no other. Psalm 511. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them sing joyful praises forever. Spread your protection over them that all who love, here it is again, your name may be filled with joy. Let's move on. Hallow God's name. How? By our submission to his will. This is where it starts getting tougher. Some people are checking off the list. This is where it gets tough. You see, the Father's name is most hallowed when we behave in obedience to his will. I see it all the time. I see it sometimes in my life. I see it in Christians' life. We have trouble with submission. Why? Well, for some reason, we got the idea that it is a right to be right all the time. And I, I don't find that. At the expense of others, at the expense of our witness, we will be right. Whether it's a, 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 a biblical truth, whether it is a political fact, whether it is a whatever you or I am an expert in or so we think. Listen, God is not looking for the people who are the smartest and the people that who are right all the time. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And lest you forget, if you're like me, you've been saved for years, I once was lost, but now I'm Found. We don't sing, I once was lost, but then I've been perfect, and God's gift to mankind ever since. No, we need to have submission to his will. Listen, we don't obey God enough, church. That's all I can say. We don't submit to his will enough. We would have less issues and less this and that if we would submit more. And churches, if we would, churches all across our country would submit more and be obedient to his will, there wouldn't be so many difficulties. Let me give you a definition or an equation here. Reverence. What is it? It is knowledge plus submission. You see, we've messed up on that equation. We don't have the reverence to holy God, his holy name, like we should. The obedience, the submission, because we have knowledge. But reverence is not knowledge. It is knowledge plus submission. Humbling ourselves before holy God. Whew, I'm getting worked up. Listen, I think that's a problem that we have in churches all across New Mexico, including our church. There are people who are not willing to submit to his will. We will submit to our will. We will submit to our version of his will. But will we simply submit to his will? Christians 
This is a hard statement. I'm gonna, I wrote it down. I'm going to read it. Christians who live in disobedience to God take his name in vain. I believe that. If we are living in disobedience, and what does that mean? It doesn't just mean that you or I are going to do things. It also includes things we are omitting to do. We're living in disobedience to him. It says this, we're taking his name in vain by our lives. You see, we must not claim him as Lord, as Holy Lord, and then not follow him as Lord. There is a word for that. It's called hypocrisy. And blatant hypocrisy, I don't think, is that bad. It is easy to combat. It is easy to deal with. That subtle hypocrisy is a tough one that eats away at us. Well, I'm not quite like that person. Let us submit to his will. Lamar, why are you so worked up on this point? It's, we're going to get to it in Matthew chapter 7. The scariest verses in the Bible. Let me read them for you. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Here's why this is so crucial. Jesus speaking, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Man, there have been times in my life where I needed to know about the assurance of salvation in my life. Any of you ever struggle with that? Man, i got to double check every time I read those verses. I don't want to be that person. Let's move on. Hallow God's name. These, these last two won't be as long, okay? Number six in my notes here, not in yours maybe. But we do it by Christ's exaltation in our life. You see, God's name is hallowed when Jesus is exalted and honored. You want to hallow God's name? Exalt Jesus. Honor him. He is to be honored and praised, and in doing so, God's name is hallowed because Jesus is God. A couple verses for you here. John chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Jesus speaking. The Father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. Isn't that crazy? So that all people will honor the Son, S-O-N, just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And back to John chapter 1 again, verse 14, with a different emphasis this time. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And finally, we can hallow God's name by our commitment to bring him glory. Ultimately, we must give all glory to God. Let me help you out real quick, church. You're, you're struggling with something. You're looking for guidance with something. You're wondering something. Here's what we need to do. We need to give all glory to God. Not most glory, not some glory, but give it all. You struggling with an addiction or with a, a thought pattern or with the, you fill in the blank. Listen, you've got to give all glory to God. 
And we demonstrate this in a lot of different ways. We did it this morning, right? We demonstrate this in our worship, in sacrifices, in giving, attendance to church. We, we do this with our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions. We could go on and on and on. Listen, without commitment and obedience, praying that God's name be hallowed or reverenced would simply be idle, empty words. Three verses, Psalm 96, 8. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. You see that? What do you ascribe to the Lord? Simple. The glory that is due his, what? Name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. That's what we ought to be doing every time we gather together. We come into his courts. We bring our offering. Listen, we should ascribe to him his glory. Why? Because it's due to his name and his name alone. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything, do, you hear that? do everything for God's glory. Psalm 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt, what? His name together. Let me close in this way. The entire model prayer of Jesus must be something that flows out of a deeply committed heart. So where have we gotten to up to this point? Let me say it in this way. I cannot say our if I only live for myself. I cannot say father if I do not effort each day to act like his child. I cannot say who is in heaven if I am laying up no treasure there. And I cannot say, hallowed be your name, if I am not striving for holiness in my own life. How are you doing? It's a challenging sermon for me. I don't know about you, but for me it is. There are many areas God has revealed in my life where there needs to be a lot more hallowing going on, right? Hmm. Isn't it interesting that I believe tomorrow is Halloween and we're talking today about what? Hallowed be your name. Wow. What in your life, Christian, is God speaking to you about working towards in this area of really putting all glory on holy God? Now let me ask another question for some of you. Is he your father? You see, if God is not your father, if Jesus is not your savior, guess what? You can try to be as holy as you want, but in eternity, it matters not. In true purpose and meaning in this life, it matters not. Because the Bible is clear that all have sinned and missed the mark of holy God. And the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death, spiritual death. But God provides his gift to us in Jesus. It's his rescue plan. The Bible says God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes, trusts in him should not perish but have eternal life. Listen, today I'm asking you, whether you're watching online today, whether you're sitting in this room, 
that you would answer that question, is God truly your father? Do you truly have that relationship with him? Has there been a true time in your life where you've turned from yourself, your sins, and you've ran to God asking for forgiveness, realizing that he is the one who can and will save you, and only him, and he can transform you. What ask that you really consider that. We're going to have a time in a moment of response, of reflection. I'd really like for you to analyze that in your life, not talking about what family you're from, what church you're a member of, whatever, but is he your father? Let me close in this way. These words come from the book, Let the Nations Be Glad. It's been around a while, but it's a great book. And here's what John Piper says. This is a missionary prayer. To hallow God's name means to put it in a class by itself and to cherish and honor it above every claim to our allegiance or affection. Jesus' primary concern, the very first petition of the prayer, that's where we are, the very first petition of the prayer he teaches is that more and more people and more and more peoples would come to hallow God's name. And these next two sentences really got me. Think about it. Because we're thinking about what's the answer to all that's going on out there, right? This is the reason, so more and more peoples come to hallow God's name. This is the reason the universe exists. Missions exists because this hallowing does not. Church, I would say to you today, may we hallow his name and join him in reaching our neighborhoods, our country, our world. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that as we pray to you, we are praying to holy God that you are unique and set apart. There is no one or no other like you and that your very name your very essence your character your nature is holy and yet God I just must thank you today that you provided a rescue plan for me a sinner for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God God we know that means that all have sinned and missed your holy mark and yet you provided Jesus as our way our truth and our life and we can come to you through Jesus you doing it all Jesus you dying for our sin and resurrecting on the third day and conquering sin and death hell, the devil. We are grateful. And I pray today that no one would leave this room or this church building today, whether it's right here now or after the service or in a Sunday school class, but we would make sure that we are in right relationship with you, that you have saved us. And God, I pray for many who would answer yes. God has 
saved me. I have believed and trusted that I'm a child of the King. God, I pray that we would examine what does your holiness look like in our lives. God, change us. God, change our commitment. Change our submission. We pray this in the name of Jesus.